Good to see you all. Good morning. I hope you're all doing well. I don't think it's an accident that what took place this week in Eretz Yisrael is exactly when we started to read Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamayim ve'et ha'aretz. The first pasuk in the Torah which says that in the beginning Hashem created the heavens and earth. There is a very famous Rashi on this pasuk. I wrote it here for you. Rashi says, Amara bi Yitzhak. It's actually a Midrash that Rashi quotes. He says that really the Torah should not have started from Bereshit bara Elohim. Where should the Torah have started? He says, Me'ahodesh hazeh lachem. Rosh Hodashim, which he says is the first mitzvah that the Jewish people were commanded. So why did he open up talking about the creation? Let me just explain the question for a second. The Torah, the word Torah means rules, guidance, to guide us through our life decisions. It's like a constitution on a much higher level. If the purpose of the Torah is to teach us what to do and what not to do in life, so it's all about laws. History, even important history, I don't think Rashi means to say that it's not important to know that Hashem created the world. It's not what he's saying. But he's saying it's not a Torah thing. That's a history thing, an important history. We're supposed to learn history because we could learn a lot from history, of course, from the history of the creation. But as far as the Constitution is concerned, as far as the laws are concerned, there's no halakha that comes out of Bereshit bara. It doesn't guide me to do something. It's information that's very important. So maybe there should be another sefer, another book that will teach about the history, the important history of the world and the Jewish people. But when it comes to Torah, it should be based on mitzvot. Lehavdil, you're not going to open the Constitution and find the history of the United States. That's not where it belongs. So Rashi's asking why the Midrash is asking why does the Torah that's supposed to guide us, why is it telling us about the history of the world? So says Rashi, Alava Shalom, Mishum, he quotes a pasuk in Tehillim. The pasuk says, Koah ma'asav higid le'amo. Hashem told his people, Koach Ma'asav, the power of his actions. Which power? The power of creating the world. Have you seen anyone ever create something? You've seen someone build something. You've seen someone put things together. 
But me and you never saw something created. Created means from nothing. You never saw that. That would be very powerful if right now I would be able to create something. If right now I would create a human from nothing. That would be very powerful. Well, the Creator created the entire world from nothing. That's very powerful. That's called Kawah Ma'asav. The power of His actions. He gid le'amo. He wanted to share that with us. He opened His Torah with telling us about this creation. Why? Says David Melech. For what reason? Basically, he's asking the Midrash's question. Koach ma'asav higid le'amo. Why? Latet lahem nahalat goyim. Because he wants to give them the land of the goyim. How does that make sense? Again, he told them about the power of his creation. Why? So he can give them the land of the goyim. So, thank God Hashem, Rashi explains what he means, because we would be lost right now. What does that mean? So Rashi says, She'im yomru umot ha'olam. Because if the nations of the world will say, Israel to the Jewish people, listim atem, you're a bunch of thieves. You stole our land. This is talking about the Canaanim from 3,300 years ago. When we came to take Eretz Israel, it was not an empty piece of land. It was a land full of people living there, families, homes. And Hashem says to us, go and take it from them. That's not so nice. That's not so appropriate. How does that feel to take somebody else's land? You feel like a thief. And if you have a conscience, it makes you really feel bad. Just this morning, someone asked me a question. He didn't pay what he's supposed to pay to the person who helped him something in his house. He, he's supposed to pay him. He paid him less because he thought the guy maybe did less. But even after they agreed, he feels very bad that I do the right thing. I feel like I took money from the guy. He literally stopped me on the street. I said, I'm running. I have to go. No, it's very important. Please, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Do I have to pay the $250? Here's a man who thinks that maybe he took someone for a ride and, and feels very bad about it. It's not a great feeling, especially if you have a, a soul, if you have a neshamatiu to steal something from somebody else. The goyim will say, you're a bunch of thieves. You're coming in and you're taking our country. You're taking our land. Those are our homes. Those are our streets. And by the way, they have a good question. 
it's such a good question that we have to address it in the beginning of the Torah. So what will we answer them? Hem omrim lahem. We will answer them. Kol ha'aretz shelakadosh baruchuhi. Wait, wait, you have a mistake. We need to agree on something before we can have this debate or this discussion. Before you can say, wait, why are you taking my country? Let's first make sure we come to an agreement on something. Who owns this earth? If we can't agree on that, then we can't continue. Because if you own your country and we come and take your country, it's a big problem. And there's nothing for us to answer on that. If you're the owner, then we're the thieves. But what, let, let's agree on something. That this world has a creator which makes him the owner. He created it. It's hard to be a bigger owner than when you made something from nothing. You've, we've never seen such ownership. Ownership in our world is when things transfer from one to the other. It was there before, now I own it. But this is a new kind of ownership. It's a very powerful ownership. It wasn't even here. I made it. Not only did I make it, it only can exist with my energy, which means I keep it alive. That's an ownership on a very high level. If we can agree that neither you or we own anything here, then we could start talking. Let's agree, Bereshit bara Elohim et There is an owner to this world, Kone shamayim va'aretz. Hu bera'a, and once we can agree to that, that he created this world, untana le'asher yashar be'enav. He can give it to whomever he wishes to give it to. Birtsono natna lahem, which means he wanted to give it to you. Ubirtsono natla. And it's his wishes to take it away. Untanalanu. And he gave it to us. So this beginning of the Torah is actually, is actually instructive. It's telling us, by the way, I don't necessarily know that this is the answer for the Goy, but it, it is an answer for us. Because when we're accused of being thieves, then we're in the wrong. When we don't know why we are somewhere, why we own something or we're being accused, then that doesn't feel right. We're certainly not going to fight for a land that we don't even know why we have it. We're not going to fight for something unless we know it's ours. So the first pasuk in the Torah says, I'm telling you the answer to the question. The answer when you're accused of taking someone's land is, wait. 
We don't own anything. Not you and not us. It's not your land, it's not my land. If we can't agree to that premise, there's nothing to talk about. So Bereshit Bara Elohim is living with us every moment of our lives. We're supposed to be living in Eretz Israel. Our nation lived there for many, many, many years. Then we got thrown out. And we're making our way back there. We need this pasuk. How could you live in a stolen land? So this pasuk gives us an answer to a conscience that's disturbed. It gives us strength to fight for something that belongs to us. You know, the Gemara says, interesting halakha, that if there, there are certain situations when two people are fighting for something and we can't possibly know who really owns it, there are no witnesses, there's no proofs. So there's a concept called kol de alim gavar, that whoever is stronger wins. An odd halakha. Basically we say, fight it out. Whoever takes it, it's theirs. So some explain that, okay, well, what are we supposed to do? We have no other choice. We, we can't know whose it is. We don't have enough information. But some of the Rishonim explain that, no, it's deeper than that. That when someone fights for something and they win, that's a very strong proof that it's really theirs. Because when someone knows that something is theirs, they'll fight so much harder because it's yours. You're taking something from me. It's mine. When I'm not fighting for something that's mine, I become weaker. So this pasuk gives us an answer to our neshama, and it gives us an answer to the goy only if he's willing to build a foundation with us. If he's not willing to build the foundation of Bereshit Bara, if his Torah won't start with Bereshit Bara, we can't talk. And it gives us strength to be able to fight for something that's ours. Everything that happened this week happened as we said, Bereshit bara Elohim. The land that everybody still wants. Maybe 3,300 years ago when they were fighting for Eretz Kenan, they thought it would be a battle one time. One time there'll be this complaint. When Jews read this Rashi, they thought it happened once, you know, for a few years. Who would have dreamt that this pasuk is an eternal pasuk? This message is living every day. We're 3,300 years later. And we still have the same exact issue. 
Forget Goyim. There are Jews that walk around that don't understand Bereshit bara Elohim. There are Jews today that say, why are we here? Why are we taking their country? It's their homes. It's their... There are many Jews who are ignorant of Bereshit bara Elohim. And therefore, if you're ignorant of Bereshit bara Elohim, you're right to think the way you think. You're right to say, why are we here? It's not our country. But once you put Bereshit bara Elohim, everything starts to change. Who would have dreamt that this Rashi is as eternal as it is? But I have a question for you. question that's been bothering me and I think would bother you as well you know the creator of the world is kol yachol is very able to do anything that he wishes so he has this nation that he chose to be his chosen nation to lead the world to a higher place, to live a life of Kiddushah. That's what we say in our tefillot in the holidays. You chose us, but we have a purpose. You saw that we were fit, you loved us, means you appreciated us. Ratzita banu. You gave us the ability to sanctify ourselves. This world has a higher purpose than just eating and drinking and barbecuing and making money and putting it in the bank and vacationing. It's a very physical world. This world has a much higher purpose. And Am Yisrael was chosen because of their capability spiritually to be the like the Kohen Gadol of the world we are the Kohanim of this world Hashem calls us Mamlechet Kohanim the Goy Kadosh that's what he called us when he gave us the Torah so I ask you so here's this nation that was chosen for this great, tremendous purpose. It would be leading the world to a much higher place, being an example for every human on the planet. Every human on the planet has a purpose as well. Just a little more simple. But we have a much higher purpose. So... Why would the creator of the world give us a land that belongs to somebody else? Don't you think that he can give us a land that was empty? Don't you, don't you think there's enough space on earth? There's plenty of space today. There are so many, so many miles 
thousands and thousands of miles, empty. Nobody's there. Go, take it. Beautiful places. Going back 3,300 years, going back to Abraham Avinu, when Hashem promised him the land, there's so much real estate. At that time, there were places that today are countries that were not even owned by anybody. They were empty. Don't you think that the creator of the world was capable of giving our people an empty land so we can build it up and it would be all ours from beginning to end? Where nobody would claim, nobody would fight. No one would have any kind of claim on us that we stole it. Wouldn't that be a more simple, logical, clean way of giving us a land. Hashem says, Abraham, I love you. I'm giving you this. Why this land? I think that's a very big question. And big questions usually lead to very important matters. Why did the Creator give us somebody else's land? Okay, we agree. It's His world. We're not going to argue with that. It's his world. If he decides to take it from us, it's up to him. If he decides to give it to us, up to him. We're all in. I got it. But why would he do that? Why not give us our own land that we could build from scratch? Why are there always people that want our land? Hashem set it up that way. It's not by accident they want our land. The way He gave it to us was a whole setup. He made us take somebody else's land. So throughout history, they want that land. I'd like to suggest a few important principles that may answer this question. Number one, and in no particular order, there's a principle in life, there's a rule in life that you can only truly love what you sacrifice for. You can only truly love what you fight for, what you're willing to give up for. Love is created from sacrifice. That's actually why the word korban in Hebrew, which means sacrifice, the word korban is actually the word karov. So how do I become close to something or to someone? How do I do that? Imagine I would tell you, oh, I would like you to love that person. And you say, come on, that's silly. You can't tell me to love someone. I just don't love. What do you mean? I can't make up love. But that's not true. Because love is an outcome of something. While love may not be in our hand, but where it comes from is completely in our hands. Because the rule in life, 
And that rule is that whatever you sacrifice for, you will love. That is why parents love their children so much more than children love their parents. Even though you would think it should be the opposite. All children do is get from their parents. They're getting gifts all day long. They get a home, they get food, they get clothing, they may even get a vacation once in a while. A child, all he's doing is getting. But yet, the love for his parents is very minimal. Very minimal. A teenager, 17, 18-year-old, you'll forgive me, loves his parents very minimally, very little. Comparison to what parents love their children is not even in the same... It's not, it's, it's not fair to say they love more than their children. It's not, it's not a fair thing. It's not even in the same league. It's a whole different world. Parents really love their children. Like, for example, if a child's in pain, a mother, a father could be even in more pain than the child himself. Where do you see such a thing? When you love someone, real love, not fake love, not the I love you that you tell people, real love. Love that only a mother could understand, a father could understand, and others as well, if they're able to sacrifice. The word ahava, if you add up the letters of Ahava, it adds up to 13, which is the same numerical value as Ehad, 1, also 13. By definition, if you love someone, you feel like you're one with them. That can happen if you sacrifice. No matter how many gifts I will give you, that won't bring love. The opposite is because I give you that's what brings love. Who loves who more? A, a, a teacher or a student? A teacher loves a student much more because they sacrifice. They give up their time. And the more they give, the more they love. It's a rule in life. The fact that we had to fight to get our land you know what that does? It makes us love our land. It's not just, hey, I'll give you something. When you get something or you fight for something, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different connection to that thing. If Hashem would just give us a gift called, here is this land, it's called Eretz Yisrael. It's nice, it's comfortable, it's easy but you won't love it. And if you ask me, why is it important to love land? Imagine I told you, go love the bridge. You know, we heard a love of God, love of people who are an image of Hashem. Imagine I told you, go to the bridge today and just love that bridge. You say, what are you talking about? Why would I love a bridge? Why is that important to love a bridge? In fact, if someone loves a bridge, you'd say, they got the little bit, priorities are off. 
What's so important about loving a bridge? Loving land? That's so important, we have to love it. So important is to love it that we have to fight for it so we could love it. Why do you have to love it for? When a person loves the land that Hashem gave us, it's not loving the land. It's loving the one who gave it to us. And let me explain what I mean. My father left me a little book. Something that he wrote. I love that book. How much is the book worth to the person in the street? I don't know. $20? $100? Maybe they'll auction it for $10,000. I don't know. But I wouldn't give it up for any money in the world. It's not the book that's valuable. People will say, what's, I don't understand. What's the value of that book? The book is my connection to my father. What's the value of that? And there's no value in that. That's what they call sentimental value. There's no value. It's not a physical value. Physical things have a value. A chair has a value. A table has a value. Something that's beyond physical has no value. What does it cost to take a child from her mother? What does that cost? Like how much, mom? How much? Take a million dollars? No, no. You take $10 million? How about a billion dollars? How about $200 billion? I'm not giving you my son. But you have 10 more. What's the big deal? Have another one. She's not giving it to you. There's no money in the world because the love of something is not measured by money. When we love Eretz Yisrael, the love isn't the land itself. The love is the one who gave it to us. The same way my father gave me a book and that book is my connection. It's the gift that he gave me that connects me to him. The land of Israel is a matana. It's a gift that Hashem gave to our people. When we love the land, we don't love the land. We love the land that is given to us by our Creator. It connects us. And furthermore, we don't just love the land that we're in, we love the presence of the Creator that's in it. Yes, there is reason to love Eretz Yisrael. Ahavat Eretz Yisrael is one of the values in our Torah, to love Eretz Yisrael. But what are you loving? You're loving your connection to your Creator that is so much stronger in Eretz Israel, because of His 
presence because of the gift that he gave this land to you? How will you love Erez Yisrael? How? Because he gave it to us? Oh no, you don't love things because they were given to you. You can only love things that you sacrifice for. So the creator of the world says, I'm not going to give you a land that here, take it, go, build it up, enjoy it. You have to fight for this land. And if Hashem saw it's this land, not others, it's obviously a very special land. And if He saw that the people on it didn't deserve to be anymore, that's His decision. Hashem is just and knows what He's doing. But no, I'm not giving you an empty piece of land somewhere. You're going to have to fight for this land. Because you have to love this land. Because this land is the medium between me and you. It's a gift that I'm giving you. It's a special place. The land of Israel is a very special land. It's not by accident everyone wants it. It's a special place physically. It's a more special place spiritually. Hazal tell us the Torah of Eretz Yisrael is a different Torah. It's mahkimah, it just it goes indifferent. There's great value in loving Eretz Yisrael. And therefore we have to fight for it. And I believe there's something else that's gained from the fact that we have to fight for our land. It causes us to always remember the Pasuk, Bereshit bara Elohim. You can't live in Eretz Israel without thinking constantly Bereshit bara Elohim because the minute you stop thinking about Bereshit bara Elohim you become a thief in your mind you cannot live in Israel where everybody's claiming it's my land it's my country it's my place you cannot live there normally without Bereshit bara Elohim the only way our people can exist in Eretz Israel is by constantly seeing the creator of the world making the world from nothing. Shiviti Hashem lenegdi tamid, says David HaMelech. I see Hashem in front of me always. Could you see Hashem in front of you always in America? Could you walk down the streets of New York and see Hashem? Of course you could. But it's going to require a little more work. But in Israel, if you're living in Israel and you have half a conscience, you're forced to see Hashem every day in your life. You have no choice but to see the Creator every second. Because the minute you forgot Him and you forgot that He's the Creator of the world that you're in or the place that you're in, 
you became a thief and you have no answers to any questions that ever could answer you. They ask you questions, you have no answer. It's my house, it's my country, it's my land. You're done. And living with Bereshit Bara Elohim, living with Hashem, is one of the greatest values there is in life. In fact, it's in the first halacha of Shuhan Aruch. The Ramah says, Shiviti Hashem Tamid. He says it's the measurement of a person. Which means, if you're, honest, you're a great person or middle, low, what's the measurement? I would have given different answers for that question. Says the Ramah, the answer is, how much shiviti are you living with? Is Hashem with you during your day? Like, how often do you think about Him? Like, once a week? Okay, so you're a once a week level. Once a day? Always? How often are you living with your Creator? That's the measurement of a person's greatness in this world. Hashem had it built into our land that we can't even survive normally if we don't have Bereshit Barai Lokim. And I'd like to say a little more than that. That you know what giving us somebody else's land does for us? So A, right now we learned already, it brings us to Ahavat Eres Israel, which is really Ahavat Hashem. It brings us into Emunah, in the creator of the world, always. That's the only reason why we're there. If nobody bothered us, we would probably forget why we're there. Just like we are here in Brooklyn. You think it's your house. You think it's your thing, your items, not yours. But there's no one there to remind you because no one's coming to claim the house. Everyone says, oh, it's your house. No argument, it's your house. So you hear that and then you forget that it's not really your house. But in our country, we're always reminded that it's not our house. It's Hashem's house. And that's the only reason why we're there. Ahavat Hashem, Emunat Hashem, and let me add a little more. There is no way to fight a war unless you're together. There's just no way. Imagine, God forbid, right now, the Canadian army would invade America. Would we be able to fight back? Of course we would. But what would happen if in America, God forbid, there's a civil war? New York is fighting New Jersey. The army of that station in Virginia is fighting the army that's stationed in Delaware. All over the country, there's a civil war. And now we get invaded by a foreign country. Do you think we'll be able to fight that? Of course not. You can't fight a war without a united effort. You know what fighting for our land does for us? You know what it does? It creates an ahdut. It creates a unity. 
and it creates a love for each other. Because now I'm not just fighting for my house, I'm also fighting for your house. We're fighting for each other's houses. When we are given a land, we don't have that opportunity. Each one could live in their 40 by 100 lot. Everyone has their acre. Everyone's got their farm. Everyone's got their thing. And they're good. No one's bothering them. And very often, that could cause people to start complaining. Hey, you took my foot. You took three feet from my land. Everyone looks in their area, doesn't care about anybody else, even starts to fight a little bit. That's what we see around us. But if I had to fight for my land and you had to fight for your land and we had to fight together, it forces us. Those people demanding their land are forcing us to be together. We should learn to be together without them. But it forces us to be united. And it forces us to love each other. Because now we're sacrificing for each other. Ask a soldier. Ask a person who's praying. Who are you praying for? Who are you fighting for? I see you're very interested in what's going on. I see you're trying to do the best that you can. Everyone's got to do the best they can. Who are you praying for? Just for you? No, I'm praying for everybody else. We're all in the same boat. It's one boat, says the Midrash. Am Yisrael is on a boat. It's standing on us. The minute somebody leaves, the boat falls. We pray and we fight for everybody. The land of Israel was given to us this way. Let's review. To love the land means to love Hashem who gave it to us. To give us constant reminders daily, minute by minute, that this world doesn't belong to us. There's a creator to this world. He runs the world. Shiviti Hashem tamid. And it brings us together. It makes us united. It makes us love each other. And just lastly, it's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. The Rambam writes, and I put it here for you, the Rambam constantly repeats the mitzvah aseh. It's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. Gemaran Kedavot talks about different halachot that have to do with living in Eretz Yisrael. Gemara says, for example, it's better to live in Eretz Israel in a city that's majority Goyim, than to live in a city outside of Israel in a city that's majority Jewish. Other laws. It's a mitzvah. By us living somewhere is not just a mundane act. For a Jew, living in Israel is a mitzvah. Like sitting in a sukkah is a mitzvah. You have to do a mitzvah. You know, in life, when you have mitzvot to do, there's something called a yetzer hara. It's harder to do mitzvot. It's harder to be a talmid hacham than to be an ignorant person. It's easier to be an alcoholic than to be a hardworking person. It's easier to make money gambling than it is to build and build and travel and work hard. It's easier to sleep than to wake up. It's easier to be selfish than to be a giver. You know why it's easier to do nothing in your life? It's easier to live a life of emptiness where you just sit around and do nothing than to live a life with a legacy, a life that you build. There are people who are building their life. 
They're accomplishing, they're doing. But that's much harder because doing nothing is much easier. Hashem created this force that whenever there's a mitzvah, whenever there's something important that you're doing in your life, there's going to be a force against it. Living in Eretz Yisrael is a mitzvah. So it's not like living in Brooklyn, New York. Living in Brooklyn is not a mitzvah. You could do mitzvot in Brooklyn, but it's not a mitzvah to live in Brooklyn. So therefore it's easy. There's no issues. To live in Israel, it's a mitzvah. Mitzvot always come with a certain amount of sacrifice. Hashem did not give us a land. Because that would be easy. Living in Israel is a mitzvah. Every minute, every second that you're on it. So by definition, it requires a fight. It requires sacrifice. I don't know if this inspired you. But like I said, I don't, didn't come here to inspire you. I came to inform you. Because ultimately, if you don't have what we spoke about today in your database, then it could be you're inspired for things that you don't know why you're inspired. You could be you love Israel, you don't know why you love Israel. There's a deep love in our hearts, but we may not know why. What are we fighting for? Why are the people living in dangerous places? What do they want? What are they doing? This is the story of our connection to our Creator. And Ba'ezrat Hashem, the more we understand why, the more we will be able to do and be able to grow and be able to make something great out of ourselves once we understand a clearer picture of what's going on in Eretz Israel and what's our connection to it. Have a beautiful day.